Welcome to Unfoldings, a podcast series connecting Melbourne and Vancouver dance artists in slow, deep, unblindly matched conversations. Imagined and curated by Angela Conquet as part of Dance in Vancouver 2021. This podcast is a partnership between Dance House Diary in Melbourne and the Dance Centre in Vancouver. These podcasts have been recorded on the unceded lands of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh Nations in Canada and those of the Kulin Nation in Australia. Maybe I'll start with where I am. I'm in my house in Nipaluna, Hobart and it's summer and warm sunny day. I'm looking out over the Derwent River, which is a big river that flows out basically from half of Tasmania out to the sea. I've got a house that backs on to the bush and up onto Mount Wellington, which is uh, the major mountain above Hobart. So I live behind a mountain or in front of a mountain and look out over a very large area of Hobart into the kind of east side of Tasmania, the coast. So it's a very beautiful place to be. Half of the island of Tasmania is still wilderness. So it's, uh, there's, you know, very wild areas, wild rivers, um, very deep forests, lots of rainfall on the west coast, islands around Tasmania. So I travel quite a lot to one island called King Island, which is a very flat island between Tasmania and Victoria which has got a population of about 1,400 people, so that's very small. So my practice has been really, I've had a long collaboration with a video sound artist for about 25 years, longer, but I also work as solo artist, so I'm an improviser, and so I make work that are kind of installed performance works, sometimes they're video works, I work in collaboration with other artists, so so I do a combination of kind of writing, moving. I work with people one-to-one in various capacities, so both as a movement therapist and alignment kind of body work, but also in a mentoring capacity. And I work with different organisations, arts organisations, in terms of their just the development of different programs. So I'm, I'm really most interested in the kind of professional development for artists. So it could be the residencies are really key to me, time with artists, uh, working in different locations, uh, and also things like fellowships and things that are going to give people time and space and a focus uh, as far as their own development goes. I see. Hmm. I I do feel that it's... uh a very curious moment, and I feel curious about that. I'm like, it was really just this fall that I began to, you know, really move back into my work. Right now, I'm just preparing to, to uh, start a rehearsal process to remount a work that premiered in 2019. And it's going to be performed a four-night run here in Vancouver and then tour. So this is a, it's, a, it's, a very, 
it's a big job. It's a large bout of work. I'm I'm really I've spent a good portion of the fall uh, just organizing it and administering, like organizing the tour. And and so finally, we're going to go back into the studio. And uh, I'm very curious to return to this work two and a half years later. I'm excited to, I love the people that are in the project. There's two guys that p- perform the work. So, but I also feel a little, I feel nervous. I feel nervous to to be returning to a very public place because in particular, well, during COVID, my life was just very, very private. You know, I, I didn't, I had very little contact actually with uh, the community. Of course, I, you know, attended things online, but that's, it's different. It's different than being right next to a person. So, yeah, I'm just curious about how that's going to unfold. Mm. But the the curiosity is is a bit larger than than just this um, particular work. I feel curious about the the next directions my my work might take. Well, like yourself, I I have a a history that is steeped in improvisation and somatic practices. Uh, from a very young, very very young artist on, and also very early in my work, I did my first seven years of work in Seattle, Washington, and I immediately began to work with text and writing and set and sound and my voice. So, and I had like yourself uh, a fairly extensive history of performing solos, and I feel that. My next directions will be working, not solo work, but working with other people more. Well, I, I think that the things that I that I care about at this point in my life are are actually very basic things like that. You know, like getting good sleep, eating well, getting outdoors, moving. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, uh, the question of what matters now is something that. Uh, is kind of evolving for me in that I'm, I think for me it's uh, increasingly how I can be still in myself be, and I move quite slowly, but to be still with others and so uh, that I can be open. I do, when I'm working with people in a one-to-one scenario, and I was doing this kind of work online in a way by sort of remote in absence kind of I was exploring this thing of what do I pick up from people or respond to people intuitively and what is it that I'm kind of reading in a way. And this process has kind of become uh, more important in that it's minimised or emphasised the idea of where are you trying from. So what's the trying part that people and myself or this thing that kind of the the momentum of trying that is kind of inherent and I think uh, has been part of often a life in dance. And so 
kind of trying to get rid of the noise of that and let my history kind of recede a little bit so that I can be open to what might actually be there and be available and present to both the company and other, but also be alongside them. So that's the stuff that kind of matters to me now because I feel there's such a, a divisiveness, and I don't know what it's like in Canada, but in Australian arts, because there's so little money and so little, you know, there's a hierarchy of ways things have operated in terms of the profession, it's become very um, counter to the very essence of what art making is about. And so for me, I'm trying to find the heart back in that, in the way that it's artist to artist that's actually the very key, rather than looking at the artist at the bottom of the pyramid, but the artist to artist is the centre. And that is a very uh, personalised connectivity that is kind of the essence, I think, for people in terms of continuity. Yeah, I know I, uh, teaching has been, uh, you know, quite a large, a large part of my work alongside creating work and performing. And I, I didn't teach during COVID at all. Or, yeah, I didn't. I, I, I didn't want to teach online. And um, I just started teaching again this fall. I just taught a one-time-a-week, six-week series to a group of eight people. Like, so it was a consistent group of people. And uh, we were having to be physically distanced and masked. And the work is, is, is about integration and connectivity in the body. It's, I call it movement patterning. It's based in somatic practices. And so ordinarily in that context um, of teaching, we would do partnering work with each other with hands-on. And so that wasn't an option. So I had to, I, I found it both interesting and challenging to figure out ways to present the material when I didn't have two of my major tools and people were masked and physically distanced. So there was that, but there was also, there was also something about coming back into teaching and a real um, questioning within myself about, it's hard to say, um, what, like, what is it that should be said? <laughs> like when you are, when you are facilitating a group of people or, you know, like mm -hmm. what is, what is really pertinent, accessible to their endeavoring of their own processes and to, to come into deeper contact with themselves and their embodied presence. What is the information that you give? And I felt, um, I felt a lot of question about that. It's, it's interesting. I, I agree. And I think for me, it, it's almost, uh, that's why I've started writing more. And the writing is really... The writing is through the body or the body is through the writing, something about that. That was actually how I stumbled on, and in a way it was stumbling, on this piece that I'm just going to remount, was I was doing a writing practice with a colleague 
and we would meet and just work from prompts and do spontaneous writings. And we were working with a poem, a couple of a couple of poems from written by a, a man by the name of Stuart Kestenbaum. Mm-hmm. And we worked with the same prompt a number of times. And this this writing just started to come out that that I that I, I mean it was spontaneous. And I felt very, very deeply deeply connected to it, which then prompted me to work to work with my own writing together with an archive of um, letters from my family. And then those, those letters, excerpts of those letters and some of my writing became the point of departure for the work. And while I've, I, you know, as I mentioned, I've worked with, worked with text throughout the, the course of my profession. Mm-hmm. This was the first time that I used writing as the point of departure for the work and but to to just like tie tie this back into mm-hmm. what i was saying about my questioning or curiosity about teaching and what is relevant to say to guide someone if you will in their process um i feel the same with going back into a rehearsal process in this in this piece you know so i i have as yet to look extensively at the recording of the work, which I need to do at least a couple of times <laughs> before I go into, go into rehearsal. But, you know, I ha- I, I've skimmed it. I've skimmed it. And even in skimming it, like uh, I see, I, I start to see things like, oh, yes, like, you know, I would like to work on that. I would like to hone that. And, and a, lot of, a lot of it, a lot of what I'm noticing that I'm noticing is around alignment and, and clarity, like actual, just like clarity of alignment in, in the body and how that really deepens one's presence and clarifies and opens the mind so that, so that what, what is necessary to be expressed will be expressed. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to, to hear you say of redoing a work, you know, and returning to a work, I don't think I've ever done that. And it's a, it's kind of like, yeah, what, what, what was that and what is it now because you've moved on two years later or three years later and that the observation that you just had then about that, that clarity and that presence you're actually looking for in the material, you know, in in the look of the work or the feel of the work is, I think, really probably more about the statement of this is the current state of things, that what we want is a presence in people and that sense of availability to their own sense of self and that that can then come through in whatever ways that that's manifested through the work, that the work becomes the vehicle for the person. And and to me that's kind of an ongoing practice of how do I become more available to whatever their artistic idea, thought, imagination is that's rising up through me so that there's an arising in a way once there is presence. 
Yeah. At the start of this year, I was introduced to Yoga Nidra. I don't know if you know it. It is actually sometimes called yogic sleep. <laughs> and you, I mean, you do it lying down in Shavasana and you don't move. In fact, you're, you know, the, the idea is to be very, very, very still. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. still. Yeah. Still. And you mentioned stillness, did you not? Yeah. I don't understand it. I mean, I so I, I I can't I can't speak about it as if I understand it. But yeah. I mean, I, I've literally been practicing it all this year. For the most part, I, I've done it like three to five times a week. And there was like a, about a six week period in the summer where I didn't do it. And it's typically is you know about a half hour practice. So I mean, it's substantial. But I I, I find that I find that. I feel very curious about the stillness, the depth of the stillness that it brings you into and how that relates to actually relates to alignment and a very, a very deep, a very deep listening. And I feel curious about that being like a point of departure for the point of departure or informing informing my ability to communicate to provide and communicate information well basically in whatever setting I would be in <laughs> whether whether it be teaching or a rehearsal process or in this conversation or mm. on the street mm. or in yeah. the shop I think that deep listening that you're talking about for me is about uh, being able to understand what might actually be in the crevices of ourselves and you know that it was interesting because Angela was talking about you know in the folds and I think that there's something about that uh, occasion that we can give ourselves to go into that and that that place is somewhere that is you know obviously deep within us you know and it might be your unconscious or whatever but it but it's this it, that deep place I think is actually a really another way that we connect to each other and it, it you know I was sort of maybe it's this little kind of graph that's running across the bottom of the screen for me but at the beginning of this session I was thinking all I could imagine were these ripples that are kind of at the edges of the sand at the beach of a river you know so there's this sort of ripples that reverberate between people and there's something really profoundly beautiful in the replication of you know, non-human and the, that kind of reciprocity that happens between us and other and that that listening to both equally is another way that we connect into each other. Yeah, it reminds me, um, something that I do is I walk a dog and it's not my dog. And this dog's name is Sasha and she's an English cream retriever, and she's trained as a service animal. She's trained to work with a boy, well, a young young man, a boy, who has cerebral palsy and autism. And she's an absolutely gorgeous and joyous animal, and she's extraordinarily sensitive. And it's it's really amazing for me to watch her sometimes because I will be able to feel that she wants to do something, mm. <laughs> but she's not sure. She's not 
or if they would be okay with me if she did that. <laughs> and so she really, really checks in with me. And she really checks in with me. Like she'll start moving like pretty slowly and she'll like glance to the side and look at me and then she might pause for a moment and then she might go a bit more and, you know, and I'll just be moving yeah. like just, just along with her until she finally gets the feeling like, yes, this is okay. I can go. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that, that's, that's one example of, of, of many ways that, uh, she non-verbally communicates with me and, uh, it's an absolute treasure. It's just a, it's a treasure, that experience. Yeah. 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 And you, and you think how uncomplicated is that, you know, and I think that's the thing that I'm really enjoying is to reduce the complexity of the way that I feel things have been operating or I've been kind of almost complicit in another person's agenda and another life that's actually kind of circumnavigated a, a way for me to be in the world. Instead of it being my world, I've been kind of usurped into somebody else's idea of what is, you know, a career in the arts or what are the things that I should be striving for or what are the things that are, are significant achievements and really there's a hollowness in as you get older that you just go there there needs you know the the pleasure factor has to be high yeah <laughs> if not now when i think you know that that there is something very beautiful that comes with age in relation to what you're saying i feel that right now i, I feel and so so when i said earlier you know i feel curious about what my next directions will mm. be. I, I feel like that's really framed. It's, it's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's partially framed by my age. And I feel like that allows me, it, it, it gives me allowance to take my time more and to really, really listen to the choices that I want to make. Like that some of the, the striving, mm. the striving, it's it drops away and that feels really good to me i've got something beside me which is um a score that i when i teach or i don't really call it teaching anymore i kind of convene things and i will offer make offerings into a group of people um and i've been doing some shared practice with a group of people and i tend to now write a score for that instead of, you know, thinking, oh, I'm going to teach a class. I don't teach classes. I, I kind of write scores and then I will use the score as the sort of premise for the class or and I might read some of it or I, I might just put it out there. But one of the things I wrote was winding our way toward this moment to obey intuition for every and no reason. Forget who you think you are. Where are you trying from? Some forgotten place, somewhere you haven't been for a while. So kind of ideas of just bringing people into thinking about how they think about themselves and the relief of thinking, thinking of yourself in a new place. 
observing yourself about where you might be trying from or the sense of uh, an approach. What's my approach to this other person? So things like that. Another, so find the right distance, approaches, standing behind, moving off, holding another. So that would be an instruction. Moving, not moving, what is, what was, winding our way to this moment, imagining without vision, and then reciprocal attention to non-human, give equal proportions outwards as inwards, and then to finish it would be collections from this space, moment, time, choose your own adventure, and that would be the end. So I'd kind of write from the text that I might be writing and think of it as what happens when you put people in a space with those sorts of instructions. And how do they respond and where do they go? And then we, we would talk. And so I've been doing a lot of work with care and the idea of being with and alongside because of this time with COVID where people have been separated. How do we care in distance and how do we care for each other? And you've described it with non-contact. So what is it that we're bringing out of ourselves so that the other person knows that we care in a very, in all sorts of ways? Um, what's the gesture of care? Yeah, it's it's interesting. The uh, the laboratory I've been doing with the other writers, the eight writers, all female, mid career, and one of the things, and I'd never met most of them, and it was online that we met. And one of the things that I picked up from all of these artists was the feeling of we all just want to feel safe. And so there's something about this actually speaking it, you know, and we. We've read it at the beginning and hear it, but it's a very, very fundamental feeling of we want to just feel safe. Yeah, I was reflecting on that. I think it was just yesterday uh, when I was riding a bus. So I, I don't have a car, so I travel by foot or by bike or public transit. But I was on the bus and I was recalling I can't remember. It's so hard. Time time is so hard to remember right now. But okay, I want to. I would just say, like a year ago, I rode the bus very little, uh, and when I did, I didn't feel very safe. And I realized yesterday that I felt much safer than I did a year ago. And I think that that while we're still, you know, in the midst of this pandemic, and now we have a new variant of concern that, well, and also we have the vaccines. I don't know. I, I, I just can speak for myself that I feel a lot safer. That was, that was curious in the, the facilitating of the process that I, I did this fall with that group of people mm-hmm. was the varying degrees of safety that people felt. And mm-hmm. um, that, was a topic, that was a topic of conversation. And, yeah, I... I felt like I, I really had to bring that forward, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, mm-hmm. there was there was one one class where we, we actually had, we started with quite a long conversation about that. And it was very, it's the word fortuitous. <laughs> it, it really brought the process into fruition and, and brought us all closer together. And there was you know, a de- just a deeper, a deeper sense of sharing and a deeper sense of presence. But it was, it was, 
curious. I say that word a lot. It was curious for me to just be sensitive to all the varying levels of safety and how to address that within a group context. The work that is kind of an ongoing slow work for me is something that started off as a project called River and it sort of morphed into this idea of float, which is something I've been doing with another woman uh, with, she's an outlander teacher and we do swaps. I work with her. And, but she also works in the pool. So she does this work uh, in a very large pool. So she works with you physically. But it has an extra, uh, it's, it, you're just floating. She puts things on you. So you float. And for me, it's this period of time that is, exactly where you feel safe because and everything can kind of fall into this internal body but also a body floating in a body of water and being moved through that water and it's very warm so it's very profound in terms of place that you can go but it for me this is sort of it's the combination of that float exchange that I've been doing for two years and this state of everything is in fluctuation and we're kind of floating in a, a space of uh, both movement but suspension. And I, my approach is really very much about floating. I don't have any answers. I don't know what direction I am going in. I'm floating. And so there's, it's not without direction. It's got movement, but it doesn't have to. It doesn't have a sense of kind of okay. I'm heading in this direction. <laughs> it's expansive in a funny kind of way. When you're floating in this water, your body loses all its skin and it, lo- it loses the sense of boundary. So you lose boundaries, and so that expansiveness for me of the water and this float experience is very much about the kind of metaphor for how I feel in the world at the moment is that it is, even though it's restricted and limited, I've become expansive in the way that I have to think about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so she's been, she's a very good Alexander teacher, but she's been working with this uh, work in the the pool as well, in the water work. So she's kind of like giving Alexander in the water. (laughs) Beautiful. So... I feel like that the, when you were speaking about your experience of floating and the expansiveness that it gives you, it, remind, it, it relates to the experience that I've been having with doing this uh, yoga nidra. I think there's something about uh, the aging body too that it's kind of the, it's, it's not the adrenalized body, but it's, it's this more... Uh, it's stiller and slower, but it means that you're actually embodied in it in a very full way. And it, I mean, for me, it's, I find with my practice, it takes me longer. Everything takes longer. It takes me you know, what used to be half an hour takes an hour to get into my body in the same way to the level that I used to. But I feel like I've just expanded the day in terms of the way, what's important to me? What am I focusing on? What's the thing that's actually bringing my attention? And I've kind of reconciled, I've kind of gone to say, which is where I was saying earlier about saying no, that I'm limiting the number of things that I put into the life 
So the things that I do, I have the time to be in them or to be with the people that I'm with. I could put, you know, 15 things in that day, but I'll think, well, actually, <laughs> if I put five in, I might actually be present for most of them. <laughs> so I, 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 th- I think of that in relation to a day. I feel like, I, you know, in order to, to feel the kind of satisfaction that I would like to feel, I want to limit the number of things that I put in a day. That, that does go back and forth. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. also fun to sail from one thing to the next as well. Yeah, but I certainly notice the inclination to limit the number of things in a day. Hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll say just a bit about this. I, uh, in October of last year, uh, I had a left hip replacement, uh, which, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, well, it's a pretty major surgery. And it was an amazing year of coming into my, coming into my body in a very different way. You know, when I, when I, prior to the surgery, I was told that there was like a, a three month benchmark, you know, for recovery. But then also people said, yeah, but it's about a year recovery. But I was like, oh, no, it's a three-month recovery. But no, it is a year. <laughs> it's a year recovery. And it was so, so remarkable and wonderful to witness and to be with that recovery and to feel how mm-hmm. it just kept constantly changing and unfolding and opening like what I had access to because you know definitively the Mm. the last couple years prior to the surgery I had significant limitation and primarily well physically but also just on quality it impacted the quality of my life so it's been pretty stunning to to witness that Mm. the those incremental changes and the potential the the potential in in that mm. yeah there's something about um, abandoning yourself to whatever's going to come to you you know so we will encounter and you know like this is sort of going to be the it's kind of like the approach what you know when I was kind of saying before what's the approach and um, it's this I suppose you know both of us probably got people in our lives that have passed and, you know, this is kind of, you know, this ongoing sense of, oh, we're in the generation where it's all happening all around us, that for me increasingly there's a sense of abandonment to I can't hold this anymore. I can't hold these things back that might occur. And so that opening and that lessening of the control to construct my world it's actually a big relief because it's kind of going, um, I, I have to kind of pay attention and listen to what the things are kind of doing to me, you know, whether my body, you know, as you're saying, this recovery, this kind of fascination of observing yourself in this process. Um, so to abandon yourself to that is actually really important because otherwise it'd be like you'd be trying to hold it back to fix yeah. it, you know, yeah. to make to. Yeah. to work within what has been described as the three-month recovery instead of it's like, well, it's as long as it takes. Um, well, I, I think uh, so the abandoning for me, or it's like a relinquishing of the trying. <laughs> I like kind of the giving up the responsibility. <laughs> and it gets so in the way. Yeah. It gets yeah. so in the way. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's so ingrained within us in dance of trying. I might, I've got another little bit of writing. I've been working with a very close friend in an accompanying, and this, some of this writing has just been published in America and a very small publication called um, Yellow Field. It's, oh, it's in Buffalo, actually. And it came, I was invited to write something after it, somebody who'd bought the book Fossil and then they contacted me and, but I'll I'll read this because I think it's about it follows on from that idea of being alongside and with. So I float in and out of your immersion, listening and breathing for whatever is uprising, holding ground for exchange, to warm the chill and sit with you until it's over. I try to hold as firm an open vessel alarmed by the intensity of where we are going out there. Who is steering? I am following and joined in the undercurrent, losing my own layers. I cannot afford to doubt, lean too hard, and we might topple into the abyss. Float, anchor, cast away, repeat. Crawl into the hut, a crevice safe from exposure, an incubator for fecund thoughts to germinate. Feeling your heartbeat takes time. Casting yourself out, I hold the line. I have to believe you are safe. 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 Thank you for listening to Unfoldings, a podcast series bringing together dance artists from Melbourne and Vancouver. If you enjoyed this conversation, please check out all five episodes of this podcast series and spread the word. Unfoldings is a collaboration between Dance House Diary in Melbourne and the Dance Centre in Vancouver, with support from the Canadian Consulate in Sydney, Australia, Australia Council for the Arts, and Dance House Melbourne.